What is going on, beautiful people, amazing people, magnificent humans? Welcome to the show. I'm happy you're here. And let me just dive right into the title so that you understand what it is I'm talking about and do not get upset by the use of the word fat boy. That was actually my nickname that was given to me by my brother. So I'm not talking about any other human on the planet, and I would never use that terminology to refer to anyone other than myself. And if you're mad at me for using it for myself, then, you know, hell shit, what am I going to do about that? So anyway, fat boy to fitness professional, fat boy to fitness guy, fat boy to fitness studio owner. We've got a story for you today. So I've got a lot of requests um, recently on different topics for podcasts. And one of those was can you talk about what it was like to be a overweight kid and why you used food as your coping mechanism? And so I said, well, you know, absolutely. I mean, that's right in my wheelhouse and that is quintessentially my story. I used food at a very young age to make myself happy, make myself not scared, make myself feel better. Gosh, just a laundry list of reasons. I used it to try to keep up with my brother, which was um, counterintuitive, obviously, as you can tell by the name, uh, the nickname that he got me. So, um, you know, when he was mad at me or upset with me, he used to, you know, just, you know, very eloquently refer to me as fat boy and, you know, talk about my weight. I preferred husky. Um, I was a, I was a, a larger child. I always say that I've been this size, this height and this weight since I pretty much my entire life. Um, not really this height. I was actually, you know, stuck this weight down in a shorter version. But I did. I used food as a coping mechanism. For those of you guys that for those of you guys that don't know, and I won't go into the story because that's not really what this is all about, but um, my father was killed when I was five. My brother was 11. And so that kicked off a, you know, just kind of a cascade of events in my life. And I wasn't a very vocal kid about the situation, about how I felt about it, about how it made me feel internally. Um, I, was a, I was an internal, um, I guess I was a, a hoarder of my emotions, for lack of a better term. And then also that became a hoarder of food. And so the two things kind of went hand in hand. And this was at no fault of anyone else. My mother tried to get me um, to talk to people, tried, took me to a therapist, and I I just sat there. Um, I think I sat on the floor and played with my little He-Man um, figurines and whatnot. So I wasn't the best patient and I chose um, self-medication, which a lot of kids do. I mean, and a lot of adults do, but you know, when you're a child, you really have access to really, I had access to two things. I had access to food and I had access to anger. And those two things were how I tried to comfort and hide my emotions and how I portrayed my emotions. As an adult, we have access to a laundry list of things that we can use for coping mechanisms. Food is a big one. Um, we have booze, we have drugs, we have gambling, we have porn, we have, I mean, just all kinds of things that an adult can go to, their work, their whatever it is. But when you're a kid, you're kind of put into a small box. And if you're not able to talk about your feelings and work them out and get through the ways you feel about the things you feel about, oftentimes food is the, is the coping mechanism. And it wasn't necessarily, I don't even know how to really explain this. I remember the discomfort I felt in being overweight, but it was 
the uncontrollable desire to be comforted that I didn't know how to get because I couldn't, I wasn't verbalizing my fears and anxieties and sadness and, and things of that nature. And so I only knew how to explode in outbursts of anger for various to no reasons, or I learned how to eat myself into comfort, which, you know, as we know as adults, that is a failing formula and usually ends up creating um, some sorts of issues. I'm lucky enough to have come out on the other side of that. I can say at 47 that food is no longer a, a comfort mechanism to me. And it hasn't been for probably about the last, you know, probably 10 to 15 years, if not more. And I'll kind of explain a little bit of that as we get closer to the end and how I, how I got past that usage of food as the weapon uh, for my own personal destruction. And so what I would do is a few things. My brother, the one who, when, you know, listen, and I don't want anybody to get, you know, I'm not trying to give him a bad rap. Like, you know, he was 11 when my father was killed. He didn't know what the hell was going on. He didn't know how to express himself. And, and so we had a very kind of tumultuous relationship where we kind of took our feelings and our anger out on each other because we didn't know, you know, who else to really um, to talk to or to go to or whatever. And so, you know, that was his mechanism of, of kind of trying to, to get his feelings out in, in a non-productive way. But again, when you're kids, sometimes you really don't have the, the best skill sets. And so harbor, I harbor no ill will and no hard feelings toward him for doing that. Um, I was a Husky kid. I mean, I, you know, when I started thinking about this podcast, the visualization of love handles came back to me. And I remember, and gosh, I don't want to get off on too many tangents. Let me let me go back to the food, and I'll get back to those love handles in just a second. But I would do a, I would do a few things. So I would I wanted to. My brother was the kind of guy who could eat an entire birthday cake and lose weight. His metabolism was was the fastest man in the world. It was the it was Flash Gordon. He could he couldn't gain weight if he wanted to. I was the exact opposite. I could smell a birthday cake and gain four to five pounds. And so what I did is I wanted to be like my brother. And so if Shelby ate two hamburgers, then I would eat two hamburgers. If he did this, I would do that. If he got ice cream and filled it to the top, it was overflowing, then I would get ice cream and fill it to the top, it was overflowing. Two things were going against me there. My metabolism was slow as molasses. His metabolism was Flash Gordon. He was six years older than me. So he was a lot more active in the sense of, of being able to, you know, play sports and do those things, um, I didn't have those going for me, and so that was that was number one, the one thing I did that I that I looking back on wish that I wouldn't have done, but I was trying to to emulate and match my older brother in any way, shape, or form that I could because I was just looking for connection. I was just looking to be connected to somebody, anybody. And I used food to try to make that connection, even though it was absolutely completely ridiculous looking back on it at the time. But as a kid, you don't know. And so another thing I would do is I wasn't ever really a food hoarder, meaning like I never hid food or, or did things like that. But what I would do is, you know, I would go ask my mom, hey, mom, can I have a cookie? And she's like, yeah, you know, you can have two cookies. And so instead of just going and getting two cookies, I, would, I remember going to the cookie jar and shoving two cookies in my mouth and then grabbing two, if not more cookies out of the jar to consume after I somehow choked down those two dry ass Oreos that I'd shoved into my tiny little mouth. Um, and I did things like that often. I remember, um, you know, not just having one, you know, ding dong or ho ho or whatever those, oh, Twinkies 
or whatever it might be. I would eat two or three. And it was always like that. I remember going to the freezer and instead of like getting a bowl of ice cream or, or sherbet or whatever it was, it was in the freezer, I would just get a spoon and, and I would eat out of the, the carton and then put it back so that maybe nobody knew what I was doing. I would do crazy things like that. And I, I use the word crazy now, looking back on it, I was just, I was looking for anything I could find that would make me feel good, that would make me happy. And even back then, in hindsight, like hindsight's undefeated, right? I know hindsight's 2020, undefeated, never loses. I look back on it then and I wasn't even happy then, but I didn't, like I said, I didn't have any other coping mechanisms and I didn't know what to do. And as I got a little bit older and I started to, you know, have a, the visualization of my physical body, like having a, a chubby belly and love handles, I remember was so painful to me because when you get older, I grew up in a small town and one of the only things to do in the summer was to go to the city swimming pool. And holy shit, was that embarrassing? You know what I mean? Because I remember thinking that if I, if I wore like elastic weight, because back then, remember guys, this is back in like the eighties and nineties, like, or, well, no gosh, this would have been all eighties at this stage. Um, Cause I graduated high school in 1993. So this would have been all eighties, like maybe late seventies, eighties. We didn't have the clothes we have today. I mean, nothing really fit good even then, even if you were fit. And so trying to put a Husky kid. And the reason I say that is because I remember I used to have to wear Husky Wranglers. Now in today's day and age, they could never put the word Husky on a pair of pants, but that's literally what the pants said on them. They were in the Husky section. They were a Husky cut. I'm like, holy shit, I'm, I'm eight years old and I'm already being labeled as Husky. You know, and I was like, it was no fault to Wrangler, no fault to, to Levi's or whoever it was, but that was just what they called the pants back in the day. And so as a Husky kid trying to get a swimsuit that your love handles and belly didn't hang over was challenging. And I remember I tried the shirt in the pool thing and like, you know, then you, you know, you try to drown yourself and it was just, it was just a nightmare. But I remember just loving to go to the pool but hating it at the same time, being so self-conscious of, and gosh, guys, this was, remember, I'm, I'm talking like eight, nine, 10, 11 years old. And then holy shit, like when you hit like 12 and you start like girls start to look pretty and you're like, oh man, like, you know, so-and-so might be at the pool today and they're going to see my love handles. And I mean, maybe I'm having a therapy session right now. I haven't talked about this in forever, um, but it was just, it was, it was challenging. It was hard. But I was still in that moment using food as therapy, using food as, as, as some form of, of comfort mechanism. And it was, wasn't because I even loved food. Like when I think back on it, it wasn't that I was like this, you know, it wasn't one thing. It wasn't cookies. It wasn't cakes. It wasn't pies. It was anything. I would, I would eat, you know, a lot of times, you know, my mom um, worked when I was in school and so I would be at home for dinner. And I remember, you know, I ate a lot of TV dinners growing up and I wouldn't just eat one, like I would eat two. And it just, you know, like I said, looking back, it just makes no sense. And I wish I would have had the, the knowledge that I have now to understand that, that I wasn't hungry, right? The, the emptiness I was trying to fill was in my heart and in my soul and it wasn't in my, it wasn't in my belly. And so, you know, as I got older, I, you know, I remember just struggling, you know, emotionally and mentally with that. I've told this story before, maybe even on a podcast, I don't remember when I was in the sixth grade, you know, in the sixth grade, it's kind of that pivotal moment of like, you know, junior highs next, you're going to get to start playing sports, like, you know, from a school perspective. 
And I was always a really active kid, but I was still chubby and husky. And so I grew up in um, a small West Texas town. And so during the the close, the coming up of the summer months, like spring and summer, like even like, you know, April and May, they can be fairly warm. Um, and even into June and July, I mean, you guys, if you've been in Texas in June or July, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty steamy. I remember wearing a maroon hoodie the entire year. Even if it was 80 or 90 or 100 degrees outside, I would put this stinking maroon hoodie on because I thought that somehow it camouflaged me from the rest of the world. You know, and looking back on it, I, I, and I realized that, you know, hey, why is that kid wearing a maroon hoodie in June? You know, it didn't make any sense. But for me, it was a way for me not to see my own physical body and then try to hide that huskiness from other people. And so I tell this story because during this, my sixth grade year, I, I broke the growth plate in my foot um, from jumping off of a, a house. I mean, I mean, this is back when you could do shit like that and people just thought it was normal. Well, I mean, I think me and all of my friends were pretty much lucky to be alive, but that's for, again, another story. But I, I broke the growth plate in my foot when I, I jumped off of a house and I had to have um, put a cast on for six weeks. And so the cast made it to where I, you know, I had to wear shorts when I took a bath. I grew, the house I grew up in, in this tiny town, didn't have a shower, so I could only take a bath. And my mom actually had to help me because, you know, my whole right leg was in a cast. And for some strange reason, my mom or my brother or somebody took a picture of me in the bathtub. And again, I have shorts on, um, so nothing weird going down. But that picture to this day, I can visualize it, I can see it, and it, it haunts me because of, you know, sixth grade and the size that I was. And maybe it was a good thing because maybe it, maybe it triggered me to maybe stop some of that, um, that self, gosh, that self-medicating through the, the usage of food. And, and I, you know, I'm lucky and, and thankful that after that picture was taken, you know, I moved into, you know, junior high school and I found sports. Um, I had always played sports, like, you know, Little League Baseball and things like that, but you guys know how that is. It's not a very um, long-term thing. So when I got into junior high, I got to play sports, like, from everything, from baseball, basketball, football, run track, like, do everything. And so that probably saved me in my, in my self-harming um, by using food. Now, that's not to say that my food issues went away. They actually morphed and transformed as I got through junior high and into high school, and I and I and I got I started lifting weights in the sixth grade after I saw myself in that photo, and that was very pivotal, um, and probably why I am where I am today, as from fat boy to, to fitness guy, is I don't think I've missed more than three or four or five days in an entire year of working out since I was in the sixth grade, so I kind of substituted food for another form of self medication, which was was working out and probably overworking out. And then that food addiction, as I got older and as I got um, out of college, turned into not overeating, but probably undereating. I remember for a, a period of three or four years, all I ate was raw spinach, grilled chicken with jalapenos on top of it. No dressing, no anything. Raw spinach, cut up chicken breast and jalapenos for probably 95% of my meals for three to four years. 
at that same time, um, I had gotten into the fitness industry. I was working for the largest um, fitness company in the world at the time. And I was taking every fat burner known to man, like not just taking fat burners, but I would take this fat burner and I would combine it with that fat burner. And then I would drink energy drinks on top of that. Like I was, I went to the other extreme. I stopped using food as a form of comfort. And I started quintessentially punishing myself with deprivation, starvation, and the usage of fat burners and things like that. So I got a question yesterday on our, in our wellness lab Launchpad, which is my free Facebook group for questions just like this. And somebody asked about fat burners and my immediate, my first two words out of my mouth were N-O, like no. I took fat burners guys for years and all it did was damage. It never helped me. It never helped me get, and you have to remember, like when I think back to that chubby kid and those love handles, all I ever wanted was to not have love handles. All I ever wanted was to be fit and have those six pack abs that you saw in the magazine. It's all I thought about. And at some points in my life, I thought I'll, I'll never get rid of these. Like I remember I used to pinch the fat of my love handles and it was, I can't even, the, I have no words to describe the self-loathing I had for myself because of that. I know that doesn't make any sense, um, but I'm just telling you the feelings and I'm being very raw and honest with you about, about my feelings towards you know my physical body and what I had done to myself. And so if, instead of doing something healthy and in, in, in the right way, I flipped the script on that. And I'm, I'm telling you guys the story because maybe some of you guys are doing or have done the very same thing. You went from one extreme to the other, which we, which we tend to do as, you know, as humans. I mean, if you think about alcohol, for an example, most people who use alcohol as a comfort mechanism end up, you know, having to fully abstain from alcohol, either through a, you know, um, a, gosh, I'm, I'm at a loss of words, having to go to rehab and intervention, um, just, you know, just self um, abstinence or whatever it may be, because we go from all to nothing, right? And so that's really what I did in that sense. And at the same time, I mean, just, you know, punishing myself with two workouts a day, three workouts a day, like, you name it, like I was trying everything and nothing worked. The extreme for both sides had their equal but opposite harming effect on me. I remember and this is a very weird thing to talk about. And some of you guys, you, you may even be like, what? It doesn't even make sense. At, at one point, I remember looking at my towels and my, and my sheets on my bed. This is like when I was in my, my young 20s. And I had stained my bath towels after I got out of the bath and my, um, my bed sheets. And it's not because I was dirty. I've always been like this weird psychopath about being clean. Like I probably overshower. Um, but I, my, the pH of my body had so drastically changed because of all of these chemicals and fat burners and energy drinks and lack of nutrients. I mean, yeah, spinach has some nutrients, chicken has some nutrients and jalapenos may be okay. But if that's your total, 95% of your total intake, and plus then your, your mainlining energy drinks and fat burners on top of that, like, holy crap, man, what are you doing to the insides of your body? And so I drastically changed the pH of my body where I was staining the towels with my, with my own, the, the cleaning of my skin. So at that point, I'm like, okay, this cannot be a great idea. 
And so I started weaning myself off of those fat burners and energy drinks. And I, I want to tell you this, if you've ever been addicted to any of those types of things, it is, I've never done a drug in my life, but I assume it's the equivalent of coming off of a drug, the headaches, the nausea, the insomnia, the fatigue, the was overwhelming. And that let me know that I was, was harming myself. Um, and so, I, and then I tried to, uh, you know, naturally move into, in my thirties, I actually moved into out of the deprivation and starvation phase. And it was when I started my, my personal development journey that got me out of those kind of all or nothing mindsets of those trying to, to hack the system mindsets. So this, that's why this day and age, when I think, when I see people say, oh, I, what's the hack for this? It always makes me a little bit nervous because I've tried the hacks. Like I've tr I tried to hack my way out of, um, out of love handles and out of, out of having a belly and out of being overweight. And I never had a six pack. I never had visible abs when I was doing all of that nonsense to myself. I wasn't necessarily overweight anymore, but I definitely wasn't healthy. And I couldn't even get visible abs by, by torturing myself with starvation, deprivation, and, and in the ingestion of chemicals that I never should have been taken in a million years. It wasn't until I got my, my mind right. It wasn't until I, I came to grips with why I was doing what I was doing. All of these things, from the overeating as a child to the undereating and self harm as a young adult were all predicated on my lack of ability to express my emotions and my lack of ability to come to grips with my pain and my fear and my discomfort. Um, I'm a very shy human by nature and I always have been. And I think that was probably part of the reason why I wasn't able to really communicate as a, as a child and even as a young adult. And I know that may shock some of you guys to be like, you don't seem very shy. I'm very introverted, I'm very shy. I'm not a, um, I'm not a, hey, look at me type of cat. And so that kind of worked against me because I, I was just shoveling it all inside. And I don't care who you are, there's only a certain amount of space inside of your heart and your soul and your brain. And once it fills up, like, bad things are going to happen. I'm lucky and blessed that nothing catastrophic happened to me. Um, and I was able to come out on the other side through the process of getting honest with myself about what I was, what I was doing, what I was actually chasing. And I, I wasn't chasing abs. I wasn't chasing a six pack. I was chasing love. I was chasing the love of myself, the love for myself. And once I realized that that six pack was never going to get me that love for myself, right? That six pack wasn't going to make somebody else love me. It wasn't going to make me feel any different. Nothing was going to change because physically I might've been changing, but mentally I wasn't changing anything. And so what I had to do is I had to go to work on myself psychologically and mentally through the processes of, you know, and again, guys, this was back in the day. This wasn't when you could fall down and land on a, I know a mindset coach or a, a guru or a, a seminar or anything like that. It was really back in the day of, you know, cassette tapes and maybe a CD here and there and, and books. There was no internet to, to watch videos on or listen to a podcast on or watch a YouTube video on. Um, and so it was very different. So I just started from a very rudimentary perspective of 
of reading books. I remember one of the first books I read was by Wayne Dreyer. And it was just the process of thinking differently. It was just the process of, of understanding that because I had had prior pain didn't dictate my future pain. So my future pain would only be dictated by my perception of my life and, the, and my actions and decisions and belief systems about my future life. And so by reading that, that book, and I actually wrote about that in, in, in both of my first books, it was, it was pivotal in my, in my success and in my journey. And then, you know, that went to the next book and the next book and the next book. And then eventually I found a coach and I found seminars and I found, you know, back then it was just considered self-help, right? Like nobody wants to talk about that like anymore and say, no, it's all personal development or this or that. I mean, everything's got a fancy name, which, which is cool. But really what it boiled down to was me getting comfortable with me and understanding that my, my perceived tragedy didn't have to be the dictator of my future life. And I made, a just, I made a decision one day that I would no longer allow my past pain to dictate my future success. And I'll be honest with you, as I said here today, as a 47-year-old human, I'm in the best shape of my entire life. I don't take fat burners. I don't believe in deprivation or starvation. I have a lifestyle that allows me to eat everything from pizza to donuts to anything I want to eat. Um, I can eat and I do eat. And like I said, I'm in the best shape of my life. Um, I have less than, I think the last time I had my body fat check, which was a couple of months ago, it was like 7%. That is extremely low for a 47 year old uh, male. And I'm not doing anything radical. I'm not punishing myself. I'm not starving myself. I'm not doing any of those crazy things. And so just the story about my journey that maybe might help you on yours. And I want you to understand that it won't be anything radical that you do that changes really anything in your life from your, your physical body to even your finances, your relationships or whatever it is. It'll be, it'll start with a lot of little micro changes. And one of those micro changes will need to be your love and belief in yourself, right? And when I first started the process, like I did like six pack abs weren't, I did, it wasn't a thing I was trying to get. It was, I'd, I'd lost the, I'd lost the zest for that because I knew that was a, that was a physical thing. And I had gotten more into a, a, a psychological journey where I wanted I wanted a six pack brain. I wanted peace with my psychology. I wanted to see things differently, which would allow me to feel things differently, which would allow me to make different decisions and which would allow me to be happy because I deserve to be. And the only reason I wasn't is because of, of a self-belief. And so when I changed all of those things, everything else changed. And this is one of the reasons I do what I do. And so again, I, I don't want anybody to be upset about the use of the word fat boy in the title, but I want to be very, very real. I, that's how I felt. When my brother called me fat boy, I, he was right. Um, it might not have been the, the sweetest thing to say. It might not have been the, the thing that, that I was looking for, but he was right. It doesn't make it right, but it, but it was something that I, that I needed to go through to get to where I am today. So if I can go from fat boy wearing husky jeans to a fitness guy, then you can do anything you want to do.
you can be, do, and have anything you want to have. And if there's any way that I can provide you with a little guidance, a little a pep talk, a high five, maybe you can use my story as a as a a jump start to maybe start working on your own story and realize that like whatever it is you're using to to medicate yourself with, whether it's food or booze or or whatever it might be, just understand that you don't have to do that anymore. And your belief system in yourself and your love for yourself can really start to change all of those things. And don't think that it needs to be anything monumental. Start with a very micro level. If I was you and you're struggling with this and you're listening to this process, I would join my Wellness Lab Launchpad today. It's a free group on Facebook. If you're already part of that group, send me a message. I'd love to hear your story and I'd love to give you a little bit of perspective and guidance from where I am now uh, based on where I've come from. And if that can help you, that's my purpose and my mission and, and my love for life is to help people live their best life. And so I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Love you. I appreciate you. Thank you for listening. If this hit home for you or might hit home for somebody else, please feel free to share it. Um, I would love to be able to impact um, more people just by being real and being honest and, and sharing some real life things that can actually work for you and for them. So be awesome to each other, guys. I'll see you again very, very soon with another episode. Thanks for listening to the Thrive Forever Fit Show. If you don't know me by now, my name is Jay Nixon, and I'm, I'm honored and grateful that I get the opportunity to speak into your life. And hopefully I can help you uh, make some changes and, and do all the things that, that you desire. So I'll see you soon. All right, bye.